Hello, welcome to the Robot Dice Explosion podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Art. Hey Art, how you doing? I'm just fine, how are you? I'm good. I'm pretending like we haven't already been talking for about 10 minutes <laughs> before we start recording. <laughs> uh, so this episode is... It's not an interview with Art, but uh, it's just a little chat with Art of the, I'm going to get it wrong, Gitsapalooza? No? Yes? Yes. Cool. Uh, YouTube channel. Um, So, yeah, you you are probably best known in the Bushido community for doing this YouTube channel, uh, where you do lots of battle reports, uh, some product reviews and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, I thought we'd just get you on, have a little chat. Uh, so why don't you start with your like your hobby background? Well, let's see. I've been doing some kind of gaming, role-playing, something along those lines since I was probably, oh, maybe eight or ten years old. Uh, back in the days, it was D&D. Oh, yeah. And, um, I, you know, I, I had never heard of tabletop wargaming per se until I was in college actually yeah. and what i got introduced to first was uh rogue trader so that'll date me for some of you <laughs> i was playing rogue trader in college um and i had uh it actually was interesting when i was in college there was a gaming club and the gaming club uh sponsor you had to have a faculty sponsor for every club and mm-hmm. ours was a history medieval history professor and that, that was, makes sense yeah, and he was into gaming, and he did all kinds of stuff. And while he didn't play like the 40K fantasy stuff, we played Napoleonics. We played WRG 7th Edition. We played uh, sailing ships and ramming ships. And um, I actually, we were cleaning out my basement, and I my son found these World War II one twelve hundredth scale battleships. So I wow. had the Japanese Third Fleet, which is the fleet that bombed Pearl Harbor. Oh, wow. We used to play these games in the grand ballroom of the student union at Iowa State University. (laughs) So each team would be set up at like an eight foot, you know, standard table, folding table on opposite sides of the ballroom. And we would have little wooden chits with numbers on them. And we'd maneuver the chits around because we were too far away to see one another. And so all you knew is there were chits and some of the chits were actually attached to ships and other ones were just dummies because your radar had failed and then when you got close enough people would actually put their models out on the floor and then we would go back to our table we'd open a copy of jane's chips and get our binoculars out and we'd stare at the models that our enemies had put down (laughs) and try to identify what they were in jane's it was it was hilarious we we had a great time so it was interesting that when i really got into wargaming i got a very healthy mix of historicals through the gaming club. And then a friend of mine got me hooked on um, 40K. And and really, it was the the fluff as much as anything that suckered me into 40K. I started those early books where there was so much fluff and so few rules. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, trying to, you could could never get two different gaming groups at that time to get together and play the game because everybody had their own interpretation of the rules and all the holes. I mean, Rogue Trader is basically unrecognizable. I mean, second edition is barely recognizable. Rogue Trader was just something completely different. Well, it was largely a, 
it was uh, like more like D and D, you know, where you yeah. had individual characters and things like that. And but they had the models and then the pictures of the models on these gang planks and the tanks made out of glue bottles, and it was all yeah. very exciting. So uh, so I played 40k, and I, I've played a bunch of different games over the years, but my free time has always been fairly limited, and so I decided that I was going to pretty much stick to 40k primarily. Yeah, sure. And as a result, I have thousands and thousands and thousands of minis. Well, maybe not. Yeah, maybe minis. I was going to say dollars and minis. No, minis. <laughs> but uh, but it was getting away from me because they were, you know, they, GW was uh, changing how they were doing things. They were introducing all these models. They were kind of retconning the old Marines. And, and I was looking for something to play where I didn't have to paint hundreds of minis to do it. Yeah. And we were walking around Adepticon. My my oldest son and I, Carl, were walking around Adepticon and and he saw the GCT display about Bushido and he looked at the models, thought they were cool. And so we went ahead and did a demo. And Gordon gave us the the demo, like he probably has for many people. Yeah. And uh, and we dug it. So we got the there was like a two box set deal or a starter deal. So he got the Ito, I got the Tengu. And, um, cause the, the sculpts were awesome. Love the Tengu. And, um, <laughs> you guys are, <laughs> sorry, inside joke from the previous 10 minutes that you guys didn't get to hear. Uh, and, and it's, that's been it. I mean, since I started playing, um, since I started playing Bushido, I haven't played 40 K. I still have the models. I don't have no intention of getting rid of them, but, but that has really filled the gaming spot for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I fell off 40k as well. I, part of it, certainly, the number of models you need. I just, I'm so slow at painting. I get distracted by stuff, and Bushido was kind of ideal for that. Um, but I think I last played, I played a little bit of seventh. I got excited that eighth was going to be, you know, sort of streamlined, and yeah. uh, I blinked, and then all of a sudden there were so many books and different force organization charts. And I was like, ah. um, but Bushido's long been like my, my, my main game, my primary game. Is the I have this theory that like you can only really have one primary yeah. game. Yeah. You can dabble dabble in all sorts of stuff, but uh, it's very difficult to to really concentrate on on one game. And if you if you have any real interest in like going to lots of tournaments, there's no way. Um, I have friends who could do loads of guild ball tournaments, and they 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 occasionally peek over the parapet and uh, have a look at Bushido and uh, and other rules sets, but. Yeah, it's really difficult to maintain that concentration, I guess. Yeah, it's it's funny. Bushido just hits the right spot for me. Like, I've tried playing um, War Machine, Hordes, actually. Same. And, yeah. and it's it's a little too, like, too much, like, or at least my impression, this may be wrong, but my impression from playing a bit of it is that it's a little bit too much like chess, wherein you have to make exactly the right move and the right combination at exactly the right time, or you're hosed. And Bushido yeah. is a little more forgiving. It's still very tactical, and there are still those combinations that work really well. But it seems to me there's more slush for you to kind of make mistakes and then recover from them in, in Bushido than yeah, I, th I think that's a property of the alternating activations because War Machine is very and, and Hordes is very much like okay, this is what I intend to do. Do I execute it properly or do I get distracted? And if you execute everything properly in the right order, then fantastic. Um, 
and you also you just have to know so much you have to have so much depth of knowledge of all the factions and what they can do and how that war caster interacts with that jack uh and that solo who might give an extra inch of threat range it for me it was just it was too much i bushido's my main game i have who knows 20 like secondary games 20 games that i dabble with and for me it was really hard to pay enough attention to war machine even if it was my primary game it'd be too hard to like to keep up with um but i, I think the rule set certainly what i mean i played ages ago uh but it was like back, back when the trolls were all metal and stuff but uh the the rule set was excellent like yeah. i think the game played really well it's just uh keeping up with it it's like the magic problem like magic's a fantastic game i am not keeping up with that meta right so there's no way financially anyway um so yeah i mean bushido grabbed me with the miniatures like the ito sculpts but uh i sort of came for the miniatures stayed for the combat mechanics you know and uh it's it's a pretty dense rule set mm-hmm. um so many traits and stuff i was initially put off by the traits and like the damage chart and so on but uh once you get past that there's just there's so much depth and it just like feels Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something that attracts me to Bushido. For years, I was part of a medieval recreation society here in the U.S., mm-hmm. and so I got you know used to knowing what fighting combat fighting was. Of course, we weren't using real weapons, but we we're using rattan. It still hurts like hell when you get hit by it, but but you know <laughs> it's not not likely to put you in the hospital. But the thing that a lot of games, I think, get wrong is you have your offense and your defense, and those are, like, separate. Yeah. You, and, and Bushido, you make decisions all the time about, okay, am I going to do something offensive? Am I going to do something defensive? If I do more defensive, then it takes away from my offense. If I'm super aggressive, then I leave myself open. Yeah. Bushido yeah. does that, and uh, <clears throat> I'm not familiar with any other game that really captures that. Now, maybe there are, but it, but... Bashida's the first to me that has really come out and said, okay, your activities in combat all come out of a single pool of, of dice in this case. But in reality, it comes out of a single pool of what your body can do and what your mind can direct in a yeah. very short period of time. And Bashida's the only game I've played that reflects that um, accurately. And I that yeah. makes it really exciting for me. Yes, it's, it's the only one for me as well. I, I think... Um... I think when they were first writing Bushido, it came off the back of uh, Confrontation sort of going under. Uh, and I never played Confrontation, but I understand that they were pretty inspired by that. I don't know if it had exactly, I don't think the com- the combat mechanic was exactly the same, but I think it may have had an element of that. Um, but yeah, you have that real risk reward. Like, do I want to throw everything into attack with Itsunagi and roll four ones? Because I will. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I really like it. So let's talk. Um, let's talk about the the YouTube channel. So if if you got in with the Tengu, I'm, I God, I can't remember when the Tengu came out. Honestly, it might have been 2015. I'm not going to look it up. It'll take ages. But uh, I think it was probably around then. Yeah. So let's see. I, I do things by Adepticons. Since that's that's so that would be in sure, April, yeah. April May, so this Adepticon got canceled. The Adeptic and but I was going to run the tournament there. The Adepticon before that, I ran the tournament, so it would have been the Adepticon before that 
that I was exposed to Bushido for the first oh, time. Oh, okay. So relatively relatively recent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I got the impression that you had uh, you had been around in the last edition a little bit longer. Uh, um, that's you know that, that's just me making assumptions. Is that right? Boom. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's right. I it's hard for me to remember been, as well. It's only been like, two to three years, I suspect. Yeah, um, I, I lose track of. Yeah. It, it feels it doesn't feel that long ago that like I got into Bushido and then started sculpting for GCT and and turns out it's like seven six seven years <laughs> like oh Christ. Well, as far yeah. as the channel goes, I have been wanting to do some something gaming on YouTube for a long time. But our much as I still complain about our the connection that we have, um, we just got DSL recently, and that's what allowed the channel to happen. Because before wow. that, we were on a satellite system, which was horrible. And I, it would have—I I did the math; it would have taken me two and a half days to upload a eighteen-minute video. Oh. So, <laughs> um, so when we got the DSL, then our upload speed uh, and download speeds got much better. Um, so it still takes me usually most of overnight to upload a video a short video but but it's doable um that that really puts into perspective me complaining about our fiber broadband not being as fast as the last fiber broadband deal we had (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, when you live out in the country you uh you you kind of you learn to make make do but yeah uh, yeah absolutely so it was just kind of fun and i thought and i know some guys not personally well i do know some guys personally and some i just got to know over the years on the internet that do 40k um, YouTube channels. And so I was able to pick their brains and kind of figure out, you know, this might actually be fun for me to do. And I'm not trying to earn any money from it. So that makes it easier because then I don't have to worry about advertising or any of the rest of it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, if people, you know, like it and they want to watch it, that's cool. If they don't, they don't, you know, that's cool too. Uh, but then it became, uh, well, what do I do? And, and, there seems to be a real hunger for battle reports and learning how to play the game. And unfortunately I am such a klutz when it comes to learning how to play the game and forgetting rules and everything <laughs> that I've, I've never done a tutorial. Um, and the other thing is you were talking earlier. I mean, on the surface, Bushido is a really simple game, but it doesn't take a lot to go down a rabbit hole. And then, oh, yeah. then you're into, <clears throat> you know, all these different layers and how things interact and everything. Yeah. It's one of these games of spiraling emergent interactions. So like the, the core rule set is actually pretty straightforward and it's got this really cool combat mechanic, but otherwise, you know, the the dice mechanic is unusual, but everything's pretty straightforward. And then you start adding traits. Okay. This I'm now going to have to start looking things up. And then you start adding key feats, which might give you traits, might give you multiple traits might take away the traits of your opponent and all of a sudden it starts spiraling on and then you add themes and like you're always going to get corner cases which are head scratches i think it's pretty much unavoidable right though i wish next time uh gct if you're listening next time you guys do a rule set for God's sake, please put a, an appendix in the back that has all of the traits yeah. and rules and things just <laughs> listed in the appendix. Man, I, I know why the book is organized the way it is, you know, because it's it's logical. Okay, this part of the game is when you're going to run into this. This part of the game is when you're going to run into that for the most part. 
but there are times when I will look in three different places and that the, what I'm looking for is actually in the fourth place that I hadn't thought of looking. So an appendix yeah. would be really nice. Just I mean, at its most basic level, when you write a, a rule book, you have like two things that are conflicting. Like, do I want to make this good for people going through a turn, like learning the game from the start? Or do I want to make it good as reference? Right. And if you've ever played a fancy flight game, like I, I think they've changed now where they actually include both, but they were always, here it is like, in over the course of a game but if you want to reference anything it's it's a nightmare unless it happens at a very specific time but then yeah like an appendix would be real nice i've toyed with the idea of actually making one um but i i like i said before we started recording i spread myself too thin as it is with like right. all my different little side projects so we'll see maybe well, <laughs> maybe suppose- before the next edition there's no reason appendix would have to be printed. I mean, GCT is very, very generous about making their rules and things available electronically. Yeah. Um, including, you know, on the Wikipedia page and all that. So an appendix could be just a, so you don't have to pay for the printing of it. You just make it and make it available electronically. And well, exactly. Be- yeah. I mean, my, my tip there would be like the PDF that you can download um which unfortunately does still have a lot of art in it so it's quite a big file and take a while to load on like mobiles and stuff but it is searchable and so uh whenever i come up against something that's not just like because traits are easy to look up usually you know there's a couple of traits which are mentioned in other traits but traits are easy to look up but it's the it's the other stuff um like the search in the pdf uh is is pretty helpful uh but yeah I'd, i'd i'd love an appendix if someone out there wants to do a like a fan a fan crowdsourced appendix that would be fantastic i'd print that out and bind it into my book <laughs> i'd tattoo it to the inside of my eyelid <laughs> <laughs> well then they change it you don't want to do that oh no yeah that'd be a little painful <laughs> it's tough enough going between editions as it is <laughs> um i got sidetracked See, yeah no, that, that's, that's what's gonna happen yeah so, but as far as the channel goes, it's just been me, you know, trying to come up with things that I think people would be interested in, or occasionally I get comments and I'll, I'll try to do what people want. Um, again, a lot of people want kind of live battle reports and the problem mm. is with my data limitation, that's not really feasible, Yeah. but I can do one once in a while and sneak over to my father-in-law's house or somebody else and, and, you know, upload a bigger battle report, but um, you know, it's just kind of what comes into my head and saying hmm, this, you know, somebody might find this interesting. People and, seem uh, to really love the battle reports. I, I imagine they're quite a lot of work. Like, Yeah, it's funny. The first ones were because I tried to do a couple of full length ones the <clears> first <throat> first off. And I was spending hours and hours editing them <laughs> to try to get them down. And, I, you know, all the speech the uhs and the uhs and the you know yeah and now i just don't care you know so (laughs) so plus it's gotten you know as like carl and i especially can pull one of those off because we both know our armies pretty well so we can just we Mm. can sit down and knock out a hundred rice game in an hour if we're really focused on what we're doing normally we could (laughs) yeah well we found out i tried that with a with 70 rice worth of bakamono and that didn't work because i had a million figures and i couldn't remember what any one of them did so i was constantly looking in the cards to try to figure out what it was i I just take too long to make a decision and i love the sound of my own voice i'll just be talking the whole time just (laughs) chatting go and get a beer 
it's just yeah we once tried recording uh uh in fact i've got the recording um adam and i uh adam's the guy who he's the most recent like uk master uh with his ninjas uh we tried doing a battle report uh unfortunately we were both getting drunk at the same time <laughs> and i i never had the balls to actually go back and watch the footage so <laughs> it's just sitting on my camera somewhere uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, those are the those are the hazards of the live battle reports. Yeah, yeah, I I've got to be honest. Like I I don't watch battle reports by and large. I, I occasionally there'd be a new game that's maybe on up on Kickstarter or something, and I like oh I'll go and I'll go and watch some footage of it, see how it works, and maybe like three to five minutes into them going through how the game works, I'm just like oh I might just I might just have a look on Google at this thing or go on Facebook and. And then realize I haven't been paying attention for 15 minutes. I just, I can't concentrate on people just doing battle reports like that. The edited ones were a lot easier. Um, I, I can digest those a little bit, a little bit better. Um, that's just me being easily distracted, I think. Well, I, I think actually my, uh, the guy who does my favorite 40K battle reports used to do short form kind of summary reports like most of my battle reports are yeah. and i really enjoyed those um because he would weave a story in between the turns and he would you know put the characters in and this was doing that and that and i, I enjoyed that a lot and it was a lot easier for me to sit there for 15 and 20 minutes 15 to 20 minutes you know just kind of seeing what was happening the yeah. full-length reports can get a little long in the tooth in my opinion yeah. but but what you get in the full-length reports and I'm not claiming this is a strength of mine is you get some insight into the personalities of the people who are doing the, the yeah. YouTube. And th that is, I guess, to a large degree, when push comes to shove, if I'm going to sit and watch a full length battle report, it's because I like guy X or I like the interaction because the, his guest has been on several times and they're funny together. And yeah. I, I like to hear the banter, you know, and so it's less about the game at that point than it is about hanging out with a couple of, people and listening to them goof off and interact maybe that's it because that's what i like about games pretty much generally is is like the having a chat with a friend and, and having a, a beer and just like yeah it might take me three and a half hours to play a game of Bushido, but like it's socializing and maybe a lot of those longer battle reports i've tried to watch have just been a bit too dry a bit too much about the game yeah which is ironic because i've been watching them because i want to know more about the game um uh, yeah so you you do you do battle reports like uh quite quite frequently and i think you've also done well i know you've done like uh product reviews because uh you've ordered stuff from from me mastercrafted miniatures and i've sent it over to you not realizing you were going to do like a product review oh um, yeah <laughs> I, uh, and, <laughs> which, which has that. just meant that i haven't explained things like i've, I've made decisions and then not actually communicate them to, but actually been really helpful for me because you've turned around and gone, Hey, like, is this the way like that's going to be working? And I'm like, Oh shit. I haven't actually explained that anywhere <laughs> on the product page or, or anything like that. Um, so yeah, you, you've done, you've done product reviews uh, in addition to the, uh, the battle reports, but you've also done uh list building and like uh, your run up to Adepticon. Yeah. I, I find that the, you know, since I have that forum, small f, um, just like the Bushido fans page, for example, or the Bushido 
miniatures worldwide. You have those big Facebook forums where you can reach a lot of people. It didn't make <clears throat> any sense to me as a TO to try to communicate with everybody just through these very small um, windows that that you get afforded through whatever event you're at, be it Adepticon or otherwise. And I'm not criticizing Adepticon at all. They, they have been fantastic to work with. But if I can reach people through a broadly available medium like Facebook or YouTube, why not take advantage of that? Um, especially, you know, it's, it's the tournament thing is a little odd for me. Um, I've never run a tournament before for anything. Okay. You know, so Bushido was me jumping into the deep end. Sure. But, and, and the weird thing about Bushido here, especially in the States is you figure, okay, it's going to be a grand masters tournament. So you're only going to get the best of the best, except <laughs> that it's the only, you know, it's the only big tournament in the continental United States. So we're not just going to get the best of the best. We're going to get every Bushido crazy person out there who wants to come and play, whether they're yeah. really competitive for the, for the grand masters or not. And I wanted to, to make that. So now I have this difficult juggling act because I want to make it competitive and interesting and I want to produce a, a really good Grandmasters champion. But I also want to make it fun and interesting and a learning experience for maybe those people who aren't really in the running for that. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, uh, anything can happen. You know, the dice can can go your way and maybe you have a fairly new person who walks away with the championship. I mean, that's cool. As mm. long as everything is above board and everybody knows what <clears throat> to expect coming in. Yeah. So... So yeah, that that I decided to do that, and I think this the first year I did it, I decided to run the tournament as a last minute thing. So that was kind of hairy eyeball time as I was trying to, you know, my hair was on fire as I was running around well, just you, trying to get it so organized. Which year was that? So the, okay, we're twenty twenty now. It's not happened twenty nine. So was it 2018? It's twenty eighteen? It was twenty nineteen. Oh okay. So I ran the I ran the tournament in twenty nineteen. Was the first time I ran the tournament. Yeah. Cool. And it, it was not optimal time. It was Sunday late. Um, but uh, we had a lot more people sign up than actually showed. But yeah. uh, but apparently all the tournaments had that problem late on Sunday. Is that that you know, a lot of tough. people decide to call it after a, they can't talk anymore? Well, I was I was thinking about this before we got onto the call that um, you the, the masters over in the states are pretty big compared with the tournaments over here, like. When we hit, I think, 22 at last year's Grand Masters, I think that was a record um, because it's a small community in the right. UK. And we get, you know, there were a couple of guys came over from, let's just say Europe, a couple of countries in Europe. I'm not going <laughs> to, I can't remember. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, a couple of guys down from, from Scotland and so on. And, uh, but you guys have bigger tournaments because your catchment area is so much larger. But also, it it's worth the the travel because it's your your uh, your events are longer. Like so, Adepticon is what a three or four day event. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, not, not... Go oh, go ahead, Ben. Well, it's pretty much everything in this uh, in in the UK is like one, maybe two days. Um, I th the UK, UK Games Expo is three. Uh, it's one of the few that we have that actually runs that that length. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's just interesting because you know 
this is the home of Bushido. We don't get those those numbers to tournaments because travel, even in this this tiny little country, just for one day, is 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 quite a big ask. Yeah, the um, there's a number of uh, there's LVO Las Vegas Open. There's Adepticon. There's Gen yeah. Con. There's uh, one in the in Maryland. Um, oh shoot, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Um, so yeah, we have multiple multi-day gaming events. I mean, Adepticon is functionally almost a week now. You know, the, wow. the I think it goes from Wednesday to Sunday. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I think it's the biggest still. It's certainly the biggest. I mean, Gen Con is bigger than any of the other ones, but but mm. Adepticon is focused on tabletop events yeah. primarily. So it's the biggest tabletop event in the country. And it does give you some flexibility um, because you know you're going to get a, you're just going to get more people coming in. I mean, people will come in from UK, from Europe, from Canada, from all over the world will come to a functionally week long event in a major city. Yeah. Um, and so, as a as a tournament organizer, that's it's nice to a degree because that means I get more people coming in. But it also means I have I have more things to juggle. Um, sure. And that's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it just takes planning ahead. You know, I, I mm. basically started planning for the 2020 tournament after I got things packed for the 2019 tournament. I was I already you actually contacted me afterwards, I think. And you were, you were saying, oh, hey, I might might get on to you for like a couple of bits of terrain or like objectives or something like that. And yeah. uh, I remember thinking like, wow, you're yeah, you're getting out ahead. Well, you got, you, you know, I had to get a better day, you know, I I had Friday this year, which would have been right in the middle of things. So that I think helped a lot of people. Um, And, you know, I'm not part of a big Bushido gaming group, so I have to rely a lot on the community to pull together all the terrain and the boards and everything that we need. And that has to start really early. Um, You know, prize support, I have to sort out now. GCT has been terrific and I, I could not ask for better support than, but I've got to talk to the Adepticon folks because they provide medals and I like mm. to put things out there for some of the smaller, you know, third party people who might be also bringing things that could be used for Bushido yeah. and say, Hey, would you like to sponsor an award or something like that? So, um, and then I am not, as everybody knows, the greatest rules lawyer in the game so I have to start looking for people who understand the game better than I do so that if we get past that, if somebody has a question that is beyond me, I need to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, could you, you know. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, there's just there's a lot of organization ahead of time. And it it's easy if you do it ahead of time. Yeah, you know, the, the, the tricky part was that first year when I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> And, um, but after that, once that was in the bag, it was like, all right, now I know I need to take care of this, 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 this way ahead of time. And Mm. I I think this year would have been great had it, had it been able to go off. I was very calm and comfortable going into this year's tournament. Yeah. I mean, it's been really cool seeing you do like a series of like, Hey, I'm working on the scenery. This is the stuff I'm building up so that we're going to have, you know, these different tables and so on. It's been really cool to see that, uh, that content popping up. Um, but it was like Ol and I uh, were talking about before we go to the Masters in the UK, which obviously isn't happening uh, as well now, uh, of, of basically just copying your little series of like, 
hey, this is how I'm. I don't. I don't know if you even did this on YouTube or if it was just Facebook posts. But you were talking about like, I've got this idea for a list. Here's my first draft. I'm going to try it out. Look at what worked, what didn't work. Iterate, iterate, iterate. And uh, like we were, we were totally going to rip off that idea and do a few podcasts around like, oh, you know, got this idea. Here's how we're like workshopping it, um, and then you know do the the moratorium afterwards of like how terribly it performed on the day. But uh, <laughs> yeah, really enjoyed reading that because I think a lot of people, certainly if I look at the Discord chat, a lot of people are like, well, what do I do now? Where do I go next with what I've got? Um, so. Like, how do you normally write lists? Like, where's your starting point? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm sure I'm gonna disappoint a lot of people. I am the rule of cool, basically. No, I, I look at I look at models that I absolutely love, <clears throat> and I start with those. And yeah. um, I kind of worry about how the list functions afterwards. Yeah. And then I start tweeting. Like the what the series you went through was my alpha dogs list. My alpha. Oni yeah. with the with the Kaihei. Um and that process is what you know I did years of tournamenting at Adepticon or other minor 40k tournaments local ones mm-hmm. and that's what everybody would do all the really good players that's what you would do is you would come up with an idea for a list and you cl- you play it several times and then you figure out all right this isn't really working or this is a weakness or I'm not really able to handle yeah. this so then you tweak it and you play it a bunch more times. And then when you think you finally have your list, you play it at least 10 times so that you don't have to think about anything. It's just all automatic. I know what all the figures do. I know what, what their powers are. I know how they interact. And then so when I'm playing, I'm playing really fast and I'm playing really smart. And that's that's um, the key to actually getting through a game at a Masters because the timing can be quite tight if you don't know. I mean, like I've, I've never finished a game at a tournament, I don't think. Um, I'm terrible, as mentioned. Um, but the, so, so usually, or uh, like right now, my, my son, Carl and I are, uh, we were fiddle. I was fiddling around with the Bacamono cause I've been painting Bacamono like mad. And there was some, con- I was having some confusion because I'm a dullard about how many <laughs> Bacamono you can actually summon in a turn. And so I, I had asked, you know, it got people's feedback and I even asked Jason Enos about it. And Jason said, well, you're supposed to only be able to summon one a turn, but there was a problem with the printer. So right now you can summon as many as you want. <laughs> uh, Technically, one 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 guy, what well, one guy per sorry, each Bakamono can only summon one other Bakamono per turn. Yeah, which isn't really the intent. Yeah, right. So but I thought <laughs> yeah, but the, so Carl and I, my son and I were joking around, and we're like, you know what? Well, until they fix this rule. Why don't we try to make a list that is as broken as possible? And for see something. if it is broken, because you might actually try and break it, and then it turned out that actually it's not that bad. Well, you know, I've up until this point having summoning in, well, summoning under the misintended rules, mm-hmm. it's kept me alive, but I don't think it's ever won me a game. It's, 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 made, it's, it's a lot it's, of key. It is. It is, and oh. it's a lot of key, and the Bakamono aren't cheap for what you get um i think the the summoning thing is kind of built into their their yeah. cost a little bit so you know you're paying you know seven eight nine ten rice for bakamono that aren't probably worth that much but but you get to bring them in anyway well, under normal think, yeah you, you've got so much versatility with their key yeah 
like the key can go on a different model. So I think that that's part of the cost is the, that that versatility across the warband. Right. So the the theory with the current army that we've been putting together is to summon as many Bakamono as possible in the first two turns before the battle really heats up and mm-hmm. then be able to save the key after that for boosting or abilities or key feats and all that. So yeah. you've got to get a lot of models on the table early and then you can actually use key for what everybody else uses it for as opposed to just burning it all, bringing in new Bakamono. Uh, and again, you're not bringing in the best ones. You're bringing in the kind of the generic horde guys. Yeah, but I mean, even with within the horde, like if you're going the way you're talking about, you don't start with raiders on the board. You summon them in because right. they're they're the most expensive, but they're also like with those shields, they're super effective at, at what they do. Um, I think they're probably the hardest working Bakamono, like the horde Bakamono. Yeah. Boomers, boomers can be pretty hor- horrible. Uh, mostly they're not so great, but like you know, if you if you get them to do what they need to do in ideal circumstances, they can be terrifying. Well, it'll be this will that will definitely be a. I still have two more Bakamono to paint, so when I get the last two done, I'll do a summary battle report because it'll be way too. It'll take me forever to run it. Sure, that, yeah. That made different figures <clears throat> on the table, but it should be entertaining, and it, and it will be interesting to see whether it really whether it breaks the game or whether it's just a lot of Bakamono that can be one shotted by a decent model, and you know, I spend all my key bringing in replacement guys as opposed to actually scoring objectives or you know doing whatever i'm supposed to be doing so it should be entertaining the thing like what you're doing it it might not be broken the way that you're doing it but then there might be an iteration where like actually if i if i take a hit on the back of mono but then stick an oni in or do an oni show or something like stick eldest brother in and admittedly then you can't run the theme but then all of a sudden it might be a problem because you can tar pit models and then just walk up to them and uh, knock them over the head with Eldest Brother, for instance. Right. But uh, yeah. And see, that's the leap I'd never make. I get I get <clears> hung <throat> up on on the cool or the funny or the you know that 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 leap to like wow this is tactically horrible. I I just never make that leap. I get stuck somewhere along the line. Yeah, I mean, I I think like you say like the, your your starting point of the rule of cool might disappoint people, but I think. I mean, that's that for me. That's how I do it as well. But it may not always be the models. Um, sometimes it will be like just the idea behind a specific model. And I'm like, oh, how can I exploit that model as much as possible? And like, or it might just be like, what would be a really cool? Yeah, you know, it might even be like, I want to put this particular number of models on the board, but like maybe like seven samurai, for instance. You know, like that's still like rule of call for me it, and it might even be like the, an interaction of one rule with another rule and like that's called interaction i very rarely go for well this would be broken and shit so like <laughs> how how unhappy can i make people that's right. a rule of uncle but yeah I, I, that, that seems like a sensible way to do it and you then might bump up against this idea of like well i want to iterate to this to be as good as possible but to do that, I need to take that one model, and that one model was the whole idea of the list in the first place. Right. So now I, now I'm going to stop there. He he needs to stay in. Uh, I've certainly had that. Um, you sort of yeah, you have this starting point, and you just sort of iterate to the point where you're like, oh, I'm actually losing the vision that I had in the first place. We I think we we struggle to have enough games to really iterate the way that you are. Um, 
yeah, if I'm lucky, I'd be playing once a week, you know. Yeah, we well, luckily I have a couple of players in house, which you know doesn't hurt. But but yeah, normally Carl's you know, in a normal year, Carl's at college, you know, he's not yeah, living at sure. home anymore. So um it's been it's been hit or miss. You know, I've got a we've got a, a small group locally that plays. We we had a pretty good sized group. We must have had ten or eleven people at one point in time, but then two of the adults changed jobs that that you know, change their availability and uh, two or three guys went off to college and that changed their avail. You know, and so it's just so funny when you think about saying, okay, we have a big group, we have 10 or 11 people, how just a couple of minor changes can, yeah. can really affect that. And, and, you know, I, we couldn't f- find a regular time to meet. I mean, we've got a, a great, we've got three stores for sure. That'll support us. Yeah but they're scattered all over different parts of the region and some are farther away from some of us than others. And, and it was just really hard to find a single night where we could get a critical mass of people together. So this is an interesting thing because like in the UK, like stores are important, but I don't think they're the, they don't really work in the same way as, as they do for you guys. Like for, I don't remember the last time I played in a shop. It may actually be the games workshop that I worked at. And obviously I'm not playing Bushido there. Um, so like clubs are super important over here. And we, I live near Portsmouth on the South coast and we've got a really good, like really healthy club. It's been going like 12 years now or so. And um, the thing is Portsmouth is a student town, but it's also like a naval town as well. And we've got, we've got uh, army uh, as well so so especially with the navy and obviously with the students you can get a really weird ebb and flow of of, of people of attendees because if if everyone goes home for the summer holidays then you know you've, you've lost players that way but equally people who then go off to university like you say uh but then someone ships out on a ship for like nine months or six months or something uh who knows if they're even going to be in portsmouth you know shortly after they get back so We've we've had times when the club has been like we've got a, a big venue, we're really lucky. Uh but you know, you could have like easily twenty different games going on uh in the hall and struggling to find a table. And then a few couple of months later, you've got like maybe like six games going on. And it's uh it's it's a real weird thing. Hmm. I think obviously like it's our population is certainly compared to where you are uh, a lot denser like just in the Portsmouth area there's a bunch of different clubs and we're the only one that really plays Bushido but um if you want to if you want to play war games most nights of the week you can go to a different club each night but none of them are really associated with uh with shops one of them one of them I can think of near me yeah that's that's different (laughs) from well at least here um Hmm. in the Wisconsin area I think all the clubs are they're not run by the shops, but they're associated with it. They have a shop where they typically play at. It, it, um, I mean, it makes it makes sense, doesn't it? Because that's affords like a, a networking opportunity. Like you, you have to have like a seed from which that, that great gaming group can grow. And to be fair, ours grew from a games workshop where loads of the regulars, well, a couple of the regulars decided to create a club just down the road where they could have a little bit more freedom. Um, 
so in a way it started from that same starting point yeah so we're kind of right now we're just doing things ad hoc of course right now we're not doing anything but but recently <laughs> you know we, we've been using um i started a facebook bushido group just for wisconsin area yeah and uh, i mean anybody's welcome to join it but it's w before the whole COVID-19 thing came about, we were using it to arrange games. You know, somebody say, hey, I'm available on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, whatever, and and we'd set up games that way. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's we'll see. It'll be interesting to see when this whole thing finally sorts out, yeah. how how the groups reconnect. And, and uh, I know there's a lot of people that, unlike me are not able to play at all and they're just climbing the walls trying to yeah know. i mean have you have you tried the tabletop simulator on the pc or, or whatever i haven't um i've <clears throat> i've been asked to a couple of by a couple of people um i've been told that or i, I read somewhere that the that that it works well but the learning curve is pretty steep at the beginning yeah so you've got an interface to learn i suppose yeah yeah i uh so i haven't i haven't tried it yet but uh I probably will before long. Um, I, I bought it. Uh, you know, it went on sale. I bought it, and I uh, I don't think I've even turned it on. I don't think I've started the, the application. And I don't know why. Like, I've, I've put a bunch of hours into developing the Vassal mod, which is now, like, ready for testing. There's one scenario in there, and, like, the starter set. That thing is a nightmare to work with. Um, but even even then, I don't know if I want to play remotely. I don't, yeah. I don't think that's, like I said earlier, like so much of it is the face-to-face -face banter and and just, yeah, socializing that I don't know if I'm quite there yet. Yeah, and, I, you know, for me, that's a, that's a very interesting point because as I look back to what I get out of wargaming, um, I always used to say, you know, with my 40K models, like, well, I may get my butt kicked, but at least my models are pretty. I, you know, I, I get the satisfaction of seeing yeah. a nicely painted army out on the table. And Bushido was a lot like that, too. You know, I, I it's like, all right, I get to see my nicely painted models. I get to see my opponents nicely painted models. We get to hang out and chit chat while we play. Uh, we can smack talk, um, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever we want to do, you know. So there's all that other positive interaction going on. And if I get my buck kicked anyway, then that's a relatively minor negative. Yeah. You know, it's like, ah, yeah, okay, Tyler kicked my tail today, but it's, you know, well, we had a good time when we played, we goofed off. And, and yeah. boy, boy, aren't his new cult models pretty, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so for me, the gaming over the computer just doesn't have, you know, all, all I could get out of the gaming over the computer is maybe a little bit of smack talk and then getting my butt kicked. And yeah, with that, with that added sort of uh, barrier in the interaction where you're having to like use the the interface, you're not just physically picking up some dice, rolling them, looking your opponent in the eye, and uh, you know saying whatever. Like it, there's that layer of, of separation, and obviously this is all theoretical because I haven't even tried it. Um, <laughs> I've done a couple of board games. We played uh, Camel Up and Pandemic with some friends over over Zoom or Jitsi or whatever it was. I can't remember. Um, and that worked okay. Well, I know I, I, I did try to get a friend of mine <clears throat> into Bushido and got, got him some models and he picked up some others. And But he's in Iowa, which is like a state west mm -hmm. of me. 
Yeah. And so I might, we've talked about doing something over the internet. So I may do that just so I can get Brian going and give him some experience in how the game actually plays as yeah. opposed to what he can figure out from the rules. Um, but otherwise I, I'm happy to use this time to paint like mad and, and uh, yeah, like I think it's fantastic that people can play that way. And I think like not good on them for doing it. I, but yeah, I, I, I wanted to use this as an opportunity to paint a bunch of models and like create more robot dice explosion content and stuff like that. And I pretty much failed on both counts. I, uh, I painted a couple of things for arena Rex and uh, oh, uh, shattered void, which is a, a Kickstarter from like, four years ago or something, which finally arrived. Um, some beautiful like spaceships. Oh, I just haven't painted any Bushido. I, oh, I did a load of scenery. Went back when I thought the tournament was still going to go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I, I did a load of scenery. Um, that counts? Yeah, it does count. Yeah, I've so I've had this... Uh, I don't do New Year's resolutions, but uh, I've had this aim for 2020, which is to paint more miniatures than I acquire. <laughs> um, That's good. I like that. Yeah, so uh, I am ahead at the moment. I can't remember, but I'm in, I'm in good numbers. Um, and I say acquire because it doesn't matter whether I buy it or 3D print it or someone gives it to me. Like That counts. If I get a board game, like I was meant to get this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles board game turning up, um, but that's had to go back to China, and then it's going to come back to the EU with the correct labelling uh, in like August. Uh, when that arrives, I'm not going to be like, oh, now I'm 50 models down because... Right. I'm so unlikely to paint a board game. Uh, so, yeah, that doesn't count. I'm cutting myself some slack there. But, yeah, each each building counts as one. Each little wall section that might be placed on the table individually counts as one. Uh, so, yeah, that's been a good motivator for me because I'm notorious for uh, not painting a lot. I'm okay when I paint, but I just I get distracted. I do too many other things. I start podcasts. You know, it's... Uh, well, I was uh, likewise. I was hoping to to knock some things out this this year for Bushido. You mm-hmm. know, I wanted to get my Savage Wave all the models that I have painted and done, and uh, then I wanted to look at the Tengu and um, the Totem Pole competition. Actually, was pretty interesting yeah, because cool. I, I had done this this Totem Pole based on the Ainu totem yeah. poles and the Ainu were the indigenous people of northern japan who have there's a lot of there's russian Ainu and there's chinese Ainu. there you know so there's they don't look stereotypical japanese by any stretch and they don't they're certainly their culture looks a lot more norse than it looks japanese which is kind of interesting yeah. and historically so, they were treated pretty badly by many they were they were yeah, yeah i remember reading about multiple Ainu revolutions and the yeah. Japanese having to keep going up to Hokkaido to put it down. And mm. so I think what I'm going to do is um, I'm kind of screwing myself up because I, I actually ordered some more uh, Hill tribesmen. And then I'm going to take the ones that I painted and the new ones I have and in essence, build a repaint them all as Ainu in it from mm. the photographs okay. and, and things like that. Um, you know, they have some pretty colorful, and interesting geometric patterns that I tend to see over and over again. And, and um, I think that I'm trying to, when we, when I got the concept art for, Oh, is it Kimmick? The shaman dude. 
he's got a bunch of geometric patterns on his uh, on his clothing. I wonder if that's where some of the inspiration came from. Might have been twenty fourteen or so. Yeah. So oh. it's it'd be neat. So I'll, I it's that whole you know <clears throat> it's when a when a faction's built out and enough that you can do a faction within a faction almost. You know, mm. like you can do uh, you, with a savage wave. You can do Bakamono kind of as their own thing, or you can do Oni as their own thing. Um, you know, with Ito, you can do the half the, the Naga or the snake people kind of as their yeah. own thing, or you can do a human section. So I'm looking forward to doing that with the Tengu and, and building out. I think I put together a hundred rice list of just the hill tribesmen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Easy to do. Yeah. They easy hit to hard. Do. They hit so hard. Um, and that'd be a lot of fun. And if I paint them up like the I knew, and then, you know, maybe do some, uh, specific terrain to go with them. I think that'd be a, a fun, fun army to put on the table. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, there are some ideas floating around for ways to expand some aspects of the dissension faction that, uh, yeah, I think some, some cool stuff to look forward to. Good. But yeah. Good. I look, I More models to, to buy. That. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then of course, GCT screwed up my master plan completely <laughs> by coming out with the wolf faction and with the, uh, witches, the, the cult box. And so, yeah, now I'm down that many models for, and then when I bought the cult box, then of course we didn't have any cult. So I had to buy the original cult box to beef up my figures a little bit. And then we ordered a couple of more. So now all of a sudden I have a bunch of cult to deal with that. I, yeah, we're, it's, we're in my master plan. That, that cult box set, um, we'd obviously, we did a podcast on it recently. Um, all has now bought a bunch of, uh, a bunch of cult. And he's going to be going down that route. I, I'm thinking about like, I've got ideas around, uh, using one of those witches or uh, what they call Utah and like cycling Burakumin into Kairai and uh, just, yeah, I, I've sort of gone down a bit of a rabbit hole. One of the yeah. interesting things about doing the battle scribe uh, entries is that I've obviously looked at every single profile in the game. And so sometimes, you know, it's, it's really tedious and just working away, working away. And, uh, and then you, you see something you're like, Oh, I didn't realize that that model had that. That works. That's interesting with the model that I did twenty minutes ago, and then uh, yeah, and that's what happened to me with like the uh, with the dissension and all the sparrows. It helped, of course, that at the time I also knew that the uh, the new cards, the new special cards that were coming out, right, um, like the cycle cards and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, that's going to be really interesting. And that sort of same thing has happened with the uh, with that new cult box, even though it's only got one of the uter and none of the skeletons in it. So. Yeah, I hope to see more skeletons. They, yeah, they're they're tough. We've we've done, <laughs> yeah, um, we've done a couple of games with with them, and and Carl's kind of the playtester of the new stuff because he's got a a better grasp on the rules than I do, or at least he gets a faster grasp on the rules. Mm. They are tough. Yeah, tough. It's interesting because they're they're sort of unkillable in a different way. Like cult have three different ways of, of doing unkillable. The obvious ones, the Kairai, because those bastards just keep that game back up. Um, but then you've also got the Kami who got durable and they're just, you know, you're just chipping away, chipping away. And with some of them, you kill them and then they just come back the next turn anyway because that right. bloody child has just invoked it again. But now you've got this this third one and um, they're not slow like the Kairai. They also don't, they don't rise, but you 
you just have to hit them really hard. Well, you have to just hit them a lot, I suppose, don't you? Yeah. 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 I haven't faced them yet. I um yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to uh, to play test them. That 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 new box set is fun. I've yeah. played it a couple times now. I played against it a couple times and it's it's fun. It's kind of a different kettle of fish. Yeah. Um the the Uta Ito is that right Uta the the witches U, yeah Utah Utah the Utah are really interesting and um, the skeletons I don't know what I was expecting with the skeletons but they're surprising they hit really hard they're hard to get rid of um, oh, the unique uh, Ico he um, with his that that great big brutal axe like he really hits hard yeah. Yeah, it'd be so. interesting to see more skeletons. Uh, that's that's not me knowing anything. There's, there's just uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd really like to see more because uh, obviously we've got plenty of Kairi. Right, right. I'm uh, I'm all in favor of anything that doesn't rise. <laughs> I, I, they can they can put anything on the table they want to as long as it doesn't rise. After I kill it, I want it to stay down. Yeah, I. The, the 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 way I the thing that I struggle with with rise is that they always come back with full wounds, yeah. And it's just it's demoralizing. And I think at some point you're you're rubbing up against that uh, that limit of is my opponent still having fun? Um, you know, if you feel impotent completely, it, it, it's not it's not always very fun. So uh, I think bulk rise on a rerollable three plus or whatever nonsense that you can do it might be a two plus i can't remember uh there are ways around it you just have to focus on not killing anyone but uh, right. but yeah coming back at full wounds just so disheartening at least they're lying down i suppose but... you need to get to kato i actually won mm. a game once because i got i was playing my alpha dogs and i got a couple of dogs to kato somehow i can't remember how because he was in the back and I just started, but he was at the back of the the group, and I just started, the dogs just started tearing him apart. And awesome. he would sacrifice the Kairi to stay alive. And, and the yeah. Kairi just evaporated in front of me. It was the most wonderful thing. <laughs> yes, they're gone. I once Get- killed, killed Got in turn two, like first thing in turn two with ninjas. I did that whole, like, oh, you run forward, then you swap places. And yeah. then all of a sudden, uh, Karasu with his claws was right next to Gok and just tore him apart. And then uh, I proceeded to lose the game three nil because uh, I'd overextended him. He was exhausted. Three risen Kyra. I just went, Oh, hi. Oh, <laughs> you're dead. And now you've only got three models, Ben. Like, oh shit. Yeah. My mistake there was doing it at the start of turn two. I got overexcited. If I'd waited until the end of turn two and then, uh, and then killed Gok, I would have survived right. to the next turn. But you know, yeah, I'm terrible with ninjas, so I bought the whole pack. But what what factions do you like to play the most? I, th- I think Ito are my still my main faction. They're the ones where I have the best depth of knowledge, and uh, I've played them since I started playing the game. That said, I have played them for a long time. So uh, I took I took Bakamono with the three brothers and Baichi to a masters. Mm-hmm. So last year, that might have been last year. And that was really fun. Um, the brothers, though, are, they're, they're hard to use because you, you really need to pop there. Like they, they sort of, you know, trundle along, not doing much. And then all of a sudden they just explode in 
like this frenzy of murder. And if you time that wrong or execute it wrong, then um, that could really bite you, which is why I took back a moment. So I had loads of models to, uh, to like bulk the list out. And it, it fared reasonably well. Um, so I enjoy playing them. I still want to uh, I still want to go back to back to the Savage Wave and uh, and try that out again. Uh, I'd love to play that Dissension list, but uh, I just I couldn't really justify buying all the miniatures at the moment. And also, you know, even if I could, then I'd have to paint more. And I'm trying right. to hit this target, so uh, <laughs> I may I may give them another go. Um, so yeah, I that's probably where most of my uh, stuff lies. I've enjoyed playing the sisters as well with Tengu, uh, the three princesses. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really cool. And Tengu have really excellent channel. Like they can move key around oh, yeah. really well. pretty much second only to temple. And I suppose cult, uh, not, not as harmful as cult though. Um, so running the sisters with Rio Hobo and then having, the tag team of eldest brother and Hirato. Uh, you, you run them as like two pods essentially, which is a real limitation because if you spread out, you're not getting the benefits, but you need to in certain uh, in certain scenarios. But uh, they, they've been fun. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Again, I find it hard to stick with one thing, but I go back <laughs> to the Ito when I when I need to feel safe. Uh, it's your, your happy place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I finally, I got to design a, a miniature. Um, like the rules of a miniature and like the background of him. So uh, when he comes out, he'll probably uh, inform what I do. I feel I'll build build a list around him. Cool. Um, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So what's it? So I'm going to ask you a question. What's it like being <laughs> on the other side? You know, I I come at this from a player and a fan perspective. And um, so I'm, I'm just curious, what's it like? I mean, you were inter- introduced to Bushido and you started working for him, but what's, what's it like to be on the other side of this whole process, looking out and you, you get to work on something or you get to design something and then people respond to it and they rage over it or they love it. What's, what's it like to be on the creative end of this? Uh, so like, yeah, before we started recording, I was saying that like I'd started, uh, I'd started getting into sculpting and uh i like my dream job was working for gct because i just loved the game i loved the setting and and that that happened and uh i got into uh got, i got in uh, the rise of the kage i picked up from where another sculptor left off because he uh, he got ill um and it, yeah it, it's great like back then i was juggling all sorts of different clients and uh, and now i am just i'm I have been for a few years actually, just GCT. Um, so it was sort of like the dream dream job, I guess. And it's only been the last couple of years when I've seen behind the curtain, you know, like when uh, <clears throat> when Toby was still managing the sculptors, uh, he would, we'd have a meeting every Monday and he'd give me the artwork and we'd talk through what I was going to do. But that was really the extent of it. And uh, then I started running the tournament uh every every march or april at our club and so i essentially became a retainer and what was actually really good about that is i started seeing the playtesting rules and it meant that i started started catching a couple of things like rockero i had the artwork for him and he was clearly one of the hayataki 
uh, like species. Mm. But the, the, like the rules had him down as odd being on a thirty mil base, and so like that was when I first realised like oh wait a minute if I if I if I can see into more aspects of the development and equally the guy working on the rules can see into the aspect that I'm working on, then we can start sort of iron out little problems like that. Um, and so that that thing that that's probably been some of the most rewarding stuff of, of the last couple of years is is sort of connecting those dots a bit more i guess um it's awesome when people have a good reaction to to what we put out mm-hmm. and for the last year and a bit maybe two years i can't remember i've been managing other sculptors because i just couldn't keep up with the workload and I, I love talking them through, like uh, fixing problems with them. And uh, I'm not trained as a manager at all. So that's been a really interesting experience. And like figuring things out with them, but like still trying to give them as much freedom as they can to like be creative because right. that's what we're, we're being creative. Like we, we're not just robots. So um, it's really important for for me as a sculptor to be happy to have some freedom and and when their stuff goes out and people are really pleased about it i i love seeing that obviously like it's not like me taking ownership of their accomplishment or anything but like it's just it's really wonderful to see that um but conversely i find it really difficult to bite my tongue when people are like oh this thing could be better and i'm like but you're not thinking about the like all the aspects that have gone into this, all the pressures that are coming in from different angles, like timeframes and workload and like all of that sort of stuff. Um, and I've occasionally failed to bite my tongue. Um, <laughs> yeah. I need Good to, for you. I, Stand up for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, there's a point where it becomes like, a, you know, it just, I understand the frustrations that, that people have as well. So like, I, I need to turn that knee jerk, like you don't understand how hard it is thing <laughs> off because like, obviously like if we haven't hit, haven't hit something where we should have done, like it's important to take that on board and be like, yeah, okay. No, I know why we didn't, but how can we not, that, like, how can we improve that in the future? Like, uh, so it's be- always been a learning process. Right. You should feel pretty good about the last two releases. Those were uh, just lauded by everybody. I mean, the community went nuts over the. Yeah, I, I uh, think they they went really well. Um, I do wonder, like how uh, how much all this lockdown stuff has has, has fed into that. And again, not, I'm not trying to take away like <laughs> <laughs> from the success, but I think the timing there was 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 really good because it was like, hey, here are these two new ways to play essentially yeah. that's really capitalized on a couple of, of rules one of which was new to this to this edition but hasn't really been used yet in pack with the wolf clan um and like kevin on 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 the wolf clan just absolutely knocked those sculpts out of the park uh that was great to see he he just yeah really uh really knocked them out of the park and then on the on the other uh box andrew had sculpted the utah like I think they were his first miniature was uh the, the in, in the prefecture review starter set the guy with two swords and no armor i can't remember his name and then his next three models were those utah and this was like almost two years ago like we, we we've been sitting on those uh those three girls for 
for all that time. So it was, it was great to see them finally come out and how like interesting and and how well received they were. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see, yeah, see how Bushido grows. I thought for a long time that Bushido has been on this at an inflection point, like it, it could get really big. Um, and I think like some of that success with the new edition that we've seen it, uh, it's been fantastic to see like Gordon turn around and go, I didn't think I'd need to order that many rule books. I'm now right. going to have to order more, you know, and, like actually selling out of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, it's been awesome to see that. I don't want it to get too big. And I think like with our live Q&A, we, we, I, I asked Gordon about, you know, growth and stuff and growth is hard. Like, growth can cause a lot of problems uh when you're not set up to deal with it and gct a super small company and i think oh this uh, i could spiral into a big discussion about like state of the industry and uh, and so on and sure the way that all that's changing but i think that gct being small makes them resilient but it does make growth hard uh you know there's there's only, as far as I know, there's only like one guy who's full time, and that's uh, warehouse. You know, Gordon and Odin both have day jobs. I'm freelance, even though you know I, I, I'm close to full time in the hours I put in, but I'm freelance. All the other sculptors are freelance. You know, rules. Jason, he's freelance. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting. But uh, I look forward to seeing Bushido like keep keep growing. And, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm excited about it. I, I'm actually worried about it as a TO of Adepticon because as a solo act, there's only so much I can do. Sure, so, yeah. uh, you know, that's why I capped this year at 40. I'm like, I cannot handle more than 40 people on my own. 40 and then, people, my friend. That, that, that's <laughs> exceptional. And then, but but <clears throat> I only do that because, number one, I have a lot of support from friends who have offered support. So, like, my, yeah. you know, my kids were there. My wife would be there helping to run the lists. Uh, my friend Tyler is uh, several friends that have offered to to help out, and then I got a backup TO when I wasn't expecting it. So, and, and then GC, you guys are well. I don't know if you would be there, but but you know, Gordon and and Jason and some of the other guys were going to be there, and and they let me know that you know if I got in a bind, yeah. I could I could tap them on the shoulder. So, you know, the one thing that's not just the one thing, but one of the things that makes this really fun and exciting for me is that because the company and the game are still in this early stage of development and early stage of growth, the people who are into this game have to pull together to make it happen, to make the big things happen. Well, I I think community is what this hobby is really about. Like maybe it's not so much with like private press and GW and so on. Like, they're such big companies um, and probably weird as well. But with this niche, like it's all about the community. Yeah. And the game doesn't exist without it. You know, um, it's, it's massively important, which is why it's great when like you produce all your videos and like robot dice explosion. We, we're not doing it because I work for GCT or anything. It's just, it's part of uh, just our excitement about, the game and yeah. wanting to talk about it and 
you know, they make they make this joke. Hey, two two middle aged white guys, you should start a podcast. Uh, it's basically what we did. Uh, <laughs> the arrogance to think that anyone would want to hear what we want to say, but uh, yeah, I think it's important. It's, it's been really cool seeing uh, oh, Richard. Uh, he's been posting loads of blog posts lately, and he does these like, hey, here's this really weird thing that I've thought of doing with uh, this model working in this way. And uh, uh, there's been a guy who's been recently doing Jung uh, write-ups. Oh, the card profiles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's been interesting because uh, I was talking about it with Ol, and he was like, yeah, I completely disagree with a couple of these things. Uh, but also he made Ol think about things slightly differently as well. And, all of these guys doing this this content like it, it's super important it reflects the the excitement around the game but it also increases it yeah so yep yeah i think uh, that's when you know you got something you know it's not being i mean bushido isn't being driven driven by tons of corporate money it's just a lot of people who really are cranked up about the game and about the the setting and everything and are willing to pitch in however they can yeah i'm looking forward to seeing because there's been talk for ages about like an rpg and i've never been into rpgs like i've played a couple but they've just never really been my thing turns out i sculpt miniatures i'm quite about the miniatures and i know you can have them in rpgs but that's just the way i uh i, I do the hobby but uh like with the combat mechanic and stuff just seems so well suited to that i'm really interested to see how they how they move that forward um, and anything else that they want to do like tangentially around the, uh, the setting. Uh, yeah. I, I would love to see, I mean, it's, it's obvious when I talk to you or Jason or any of the guys who've been in involved with Bushido for a long time, that there is a lot of fluff there. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, there's a, there, there's a lot of story behind yeah. what's going on, but the, uh, but it, it's not in any kind of real organized presentation. You know, it's like a, yeah. a, a thousand lines of, of story spread across a thousand cards, you know, and each card has one line, you know, to tell you what's going on. And that, that, I mean, and I just go back to what pulled me into wargaming in the first place was GW's fantastic storytelling. Yeah. And I would love to see, and I know you guys are, are busy as it is, but I'd love to see GCT pull some of that together for Bushido to give us some background, to give us something to get emotionally engaged in so that it really is more than the mechanics of the game, you know, so that when, when Ito faces off against the dissension, we know we have it. There's a history there that we now know, and we can start smack talking specifically about, the history of the races or the models we're using as opposed to just smack talking each other. Yeah. Um, well, some, something I should definitely shout out while I remember is, is, is Andrew's, uh, no, not Andrew, Jesus Christ, Andy, uh, his uh, Jumo Ring blog uh, and also his YouTube channel where he's been doing uh, some backgrounds and uh, discussions explanations of, of the history and it seems that like pretty much all the background comes from gordon's head and his discussions with with a couple of other guys uh-huh. and everything which gets written down 
then gets sort of stored in Andy's head, like he's some kind of encyclopedia to the point where he, Gordon says, oh, I think this is probably what's going to happen. And Andy's like, that doesn't make sense because of this like bit of background that was written for wave like 22. You know, <laughs> how, how do you, okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think the, there's been talk for a while about doing like a background book. Uh, and there is for anyone who has just come to the game with risen sun in new dawn, there's a, a bunch more background in New Dawn than there is in uh, Risen Sun. So if you can get hold of the old rule book, which I imagine would be fairly uh, cheap, considering it's uh, effectively redundant, um, really worth doing. There's some there's some good uh, some good background in there. I'm a bit weird in that like I don't tend to read the background of games. Like I did, I, I made myself with Bushido because I like setting is super important to me, but the right. story is less so. But then equally, like, like I think again, before we started talking, I was talking about how, sorry, before we started recording, I was talking about how important the background for 40K and the Horus Heresy was for me when I got into the hobby. Yeah. Uh, from when I was like nine until 15 or so. And all of that storytelling was, you know, in a, in a white dwarf, there'd be a little box in the corner or it'd be in like the Ultramarines Codex, there'd be a little box like Tigurius talking about how the, the uh, Legion of the Damned turned up one time, wreathed in flame and saved his, you know, company of Marines, whatever it was. And I love those snippets of storytelling because they left so much to the imagination. You're like, oh, do you, do you know that this is the, oh, well, it might not be that. It might be. That. And it, so much of it was legend. And I, I'm certainly not against it being made explicit because there's plenty of uh, short snippets in uh in the Bushido rulebook, uh, the old one certainly, uh, but I do like the little the little lines that you get yeah. on the on the special cards. It's a really interesting way of storytelling with uh, with the cycle decks where you're getting thirty cards and all of them have got something on them, however small. Right. Uh, I really I really like them. Um, but yeah, it would definitely be cool to see uh, a background book. I don't know if that's going. I don't think that's the same as the tournament book that's planned because uh, there's obviously there's only three scenarios in the rule book and there were like 12 at the end of the last edition. So uh, yeah, there's a new scenario pack put together. I, I'm not informed about that side of things, unfortunately, but yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Well, I think we've been going for about, yeah, a little, little under an hour and a half. So <clears throat> If we look to sort of uh, wind up, I guess. But uh, I mean, my, one of my closing questions, and you've completely screwed me, was going to be, "What were you looking forward to in the future?" Um, so I'm going to flip it around and say, uh, "Is there anything that you're looking to do in the future yourself, like with the YouTube channel or running tournaments or anything, something a bit different or bigger, whatever?" Um. Well, I'm I'm really uh, as far as the YouTube channel goes. Um, I'm, uh, gonna, I, I actually filmed the first one. I'm going to have a new feature called, uh, OG paints, except for my, in my case, OG stands for old guy, not original game. <laughs> and, but what they are going to be short, maybe 10, 15 minute segments. Um, and it's not going to be where I sit and paint and yammer on because I find that incredibly boring. 
Um, but I will be talking about something specific. Um, so the first one is on overcoming painter's block. You know, and, and again, it's not, it's not meant to be authoritative. It's just what I do. So I may do one on airbrushing or I may do one on um, how I get my buildings painted and looking the way I do when I, when I work with the wooden buildings. Um, so I'll be doing that, adding that to the, the hobby section of the channel. And cool. uh, hopefully, and we'll be, you know, if somebody wants me to talk about something specific, if I know anything about it, I'd be happy to talk about it. But so, and then as far as the tournament goes, I, I suppose that's my other big emphasis is, is the tournament. And I just want to, make sure that I stay on top of things so it stays as organized as this one looked like it was going to be. Yeah, it's a real um, bummer what happened because, uh, yeah, it was looking like it was going to be a fantastic event. You did some uh, excellent prep. Right. And those don't happen without everybody else pitching in. I mean, the tournament would be limited to like 16 people if I'm the only one that's doing anything. But the reason yeah. we could go up to 40 is because a whole bunch of people volunteered to provide tables and terrain and uh, volunteer to help me out. So, you know, I'm just going to continue to hope that the community keeps coming through and um, just makes it a lot more fun for everybody. It allows me to do things I wouldn't have dreamed of doing a year ago. And yeah. um, we keep growing the game in the U.S. and it'll grow in of its own accord in, in the U.K. And, and Europe. And who knows? We might have a we might have to battle. Is there some island in the mid-Atlantic somewhere? We might have a have to have an <laughs> American continent versus uh, Europe battle royale. Meet on an oil rig somewhere. Is, yeah. <laughs> that would the Bechito awesome, right? Cruise. That's what we need. Yeah. A Bechito Cruise. Oh, that could work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would really love to come over uh, at some point to whether it be Adepticon or, or, or Gen Con or both. Like one day. One day I'll come over. Whether I'll actually get to play or not, that's a whole right. other matter. But, you know, help organize or whatever, that'd be good fun. Well, I, I would like to play in a tournament someday. So far, I've only run them. Um, so it, <laughs> it might be fun. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that a second, at least another big tournament happens in the, in the U.S. that I might be able to go to. I know Gen Con is probably very likely. Yeah. Um, and uh, so maybe someday I'll go to Gen Con and, and let people kick my butt in person. Yeah. And, uh, I, I've, I've had to play in my tournaments quite often, and that is hard. I mean, obviously, I'm just the buy, so if people lose to me, they still win as far as the tournament's concerned. But, you know, people pay money, they come yeah. a distance. You know, you want to give them something to do. Right. I was really looking forward to it. I was going to, like, wheel out the, uh, like the wolf clan before they were released or something like that. <laughs> And now, now I can't do it. That would be evil. Yeah, maybe, but I don't think it's going to happen. I had hoped we'd run the tournament, uh, you know, later this year. But honestly, with everything going on, it's unlikely. Yeah, I think until they come out with a vaccine, <clears throat> I think we're going to have to sit on our hands for a while. Yeah, but yeah. Certainly, big big events like uh, Adepticon and stuff, where you have thousands of people. That's yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens in this weird new world. Hey, I guess a lot will depend on what happens when places start to open up. You know, some of the states in, in the U.S. are opening up pretty much. So we'll see if there's a rebound yeah. in cases or I, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a I'm a biologist, but I'm not a uh, 
I'm not a epidemiologist. Yeah, yeah. Now or an epidemiologist or even a virologist. So uh, I'm doing the same thing everybody else is. And that's just kind of yeah, watching exactly. and waiting. Yeah. Well, on that note, take care of yourself. You too. It's Stay been a pleasure. Safe. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to do something similar again in the future. I'd love to. All right, buddy. Thanks for joining. My pleasure. Find Robot Dice Explosion at robotdiceexplosion.com, at rde underscore podcast at Twitter, and Robot Dice Explosion on Facebook.